Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This week we are back with a new episode and Lindsay joins me for the first time in 2023. Big thanks to Paul for um, helping us out on the last episode and outlining his his program called Wild Diabetic and helping us understand, you know, blood sugar management in the backcountry a little bit better. If you enjoyed that podcast or any of them, uh, we would be super grateful if you would share it with a friend or you would like it or send us a comment on there, rank it in your platform, do, you know, any anything that like that would be tremendously helpful. If you have any questions, as always, you can send those over to us at info at v2pnutrition.com. You'll hear me reference a article and a guide that I wrote on the topic that you can access on the website as well, which is v2pnutrition.com. And without further ado, hope you enjoy the show and big thanks for having Lindsay back. I am joined by the one and only Lindsay Camp for the very first podcast of 2023. How have you been? I've been all right. <laughs> Hanging in there. She laughs because, uh, it, I guess as a, as a quick side note, we are looking for parenting advice for toddlers. It's been quite the roller coaster. I'm kidding. We're not really, well, I guess I'm not kidding. If you've got good advice, feel free to submit um, uh, just a, a quick note that says Godspeed or anything else if you've, if you've endured this. But so we're going to do a, we just wrapped up the No Off-Season podcast series, and we were um, joined by Paul Kemper, who talked to us about managing blood sugars in the backcountry, which I felt like was a good episode for folks who, it's just good good information to have if you're ever back there and you need to help someone else or yourself. So we're going to do a QA and a and we've got some other stuff that we'll roll out this year, but this will be the first Q&A of 2023. What? is our question. I see brands reference net carb intake on boxes. What is meant by that? And is it something I should track? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I actually somewhat intentionally went back and pulled this one out knowing it had been in there in the past, because this came up quite a bit um, with folks in the program recently. A little bit of of history on the topic because I feel like you actually have to know the labeling to really be able to answer the question. On the back of a package of any product, the package company is going to list the total carbohydrate. It's going to list it in grams. Under that heading though falls fiber, sugar, sugar alcohols, a number of different things fall under that. And when you add all of those grams up, that is what constitutes what the total carbohydrate intake is. The way that I kind of like to think of it is it's like a building directory, right? So if you think about it, there was a um, there's a building in the town that I grew up in called the Hartman Building. And when you walked in, there's a building directory and basically says, welcome to the Hartman Building. On floor one, you'll find a tax preparer. On floor two, you'll find an accountant. On floor three, you'll find a ad agency. So it's like, it's basically saying, look, here's everything that's under this category. So whenever it comes to net carb intake, there are two things in the category of carbohydrates that are indigestible, meaning the body doesn't break them down to completion. So you don't get the full calorie intake. What does happen to them if you're not digesting them? Where do they go? That's a good question. And that's, we're, we're going to get to that part. So, so when you look at dietary fiber and sugar alcohols, those are both known as indigestible carbohydrates. So legally, and it's important to point that out, like nobody, no company is 
pulling the wool over anyone's eyes by labeling like this is legal. They are indigestible, so they can basically say, and and I'm generalizing here, so don't email me and say like, that's not how it works. I'm generalizing for the broader picture. Because both fiber and sugar alcohols are indigestible, they can they, they can deduct those from the total carbohydrate intake. The problem is indigestible doesn't mean in caloric, you still get calories from them. So if, you know, for the sake of easy math, let's say a product has 20 grams of carbohydrates, 10 of it is fiber, five of it is sugar alcohol, you can deduct 15 grams from the net total and say this product has five grams of net carbs. Companies then will base their calorie information off of five grams, not 20 grams. So you're basically getting a deduction of, you know, that would be 60 calories because there's four calories per gram of carbohydrate. And so they label the product as for again, for the sake of easy math, let's say they'll, they'll label the product as 140 calories. When in reality, what's actually in the product is closer to 200. And so it goes to your question, if they're not digestible, what happens to them? They still digest, but they don't break down completely. So you don't get all of the calories. And the messaging that people hear is, oh, you don't get any. No, you do. You do get some. And the reason you get some, if you're really into the nerdery behind it, is because some of those carbohydrates, some of those calories can be used as fuel in the gut. And so they do yield some calories. So all the while, you're deducting calories all over the place based on this net carbohydrate intake. And in reality, there's way more coming in than what's actually registered. Could the same be said for how reliable, you know, or the way it's factored on restaurant menus and things like that, that say how many calories a whole meal is? It's a good question. It, it could be, but it's very unlikely that it would be. And here's why companies like a dead giveaway. If you look at, and the place I find this the most often is like on the package of a bunch of like really healthy tortillas, they will add in 15, 20 grams of fiber into a product to get the net carb lower so they can deduct the calories. So you've got this combination of tons of fiber being added, miscalculation of the nutrition information. So most people include a lot of these during the day. And so your guts are just like a wreck. I remember checking someone's logs in Valley to Peak and they were at like 78 to 100 grams of fiber per day, which is literally four times the amount. And so one of her comments was like, I'm having gas all the time. I'm having bloating all the time. I'm on the toilet all the time. What's going on? It just started. And you look at that and it's like, well, that your fiber intake's four times what it used to be because you're trying to eat all these low carb products. All right. And so I think that that's important to remember. So to answer your question, it's not going to be in the mislabeling of restaurants because they want food to taste good. They don't care about the nutrition labeling, right? They're going to use actual tortillas, not some high protein, low carb tortilla. So you're saying they add fiber to reduce. What did you say? They add fiber to reduce the total carb intake just so it can look good on packaging. Or is there another benefit to that? Just so it can look good on packaging. Now, again, I'm, I'm using broader strokes here. So somebody please don't email me and say like, oh, well, it, it blunts the, the, you know, the spike of blood sugar. 
fiber included in a meal can help control blood sugars, but by and large, you know, you're, 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 you're missing, you're stepping over dollars to pick up pennies by saying that the bigger picture is they're adding tons of fiber because it enables them to reduce the total carb content with low carb diets being so trendy. Customers are always looking for low carb products. And second to that, if you go to the, you know, like if you go to the grocery store and you're looking at all of your options for, we'll just stay on tortillas. You're looking for all your options for tortillas. Like everyone is looking for what's the biggest tortilla I can get for the fewest amount of calories. And so you look at them all and they're like 140, 220, 110 calories. And then you find one that's like 25 calories and the tortilla is as big as your face. It's like, well, oh man, this is like a nutrition hack. And it's not, they're adding in tons of fiber in there. That's driving down the net car or that's driving down the total carbs, which is enabling them to then lower the calorie intake based on that. So does adding fiber, this sounds silly to ask, does adding fiber make for a, is it like adding a bunch more of a tangible ingredient? Like, is it like adding a lot more rice to make a bigger serving or a lot more lettuce to make a bigger salad does adding more fiber make for a bigger tortilla it i mean yes because fiber so think of like think of psyllium husk or think of flaxseed ground flaxseed i mean those are basically not all but almost all fiber so when you add that in a product of course like yeah it, it makes the product grow but the impetus for doing it from a company standpoint is not, hey, let's make this look larger in the bag. It's, hey, this will give us the opportunity to appeal to the low carb market. And even those people that aren't necessarily shooting for low carb, but want low calories, it'll appeal to them too. And so, you know, obviously companies know regulation in terms of food labeling. They want to be in the running for a large majority of the market. And so, you find just about every brand at least having a line of these within their overall product offerings and people buy them. The place that the place that I think it begs the question of like, okay, is is one product really going to mess up my intake that much? And the answer to that is no. But what my observation is, and and this is definitely true among some of the folks that we work with is it's not like one product. Usually what you'll see is someone eats, and there's a brand that I'm thinking of um, that I won't say, but it's a very popular brand. It's almost always marketed as high protein, low carb. They'll eat a bar like that for breakfast, and then they'll have high protein cinnamon buns for a snack mid-morning, and then they'll eat you know, a, a low carb tortilla at lunch is a wrap. And then at dinner, they'll have keto bread, which is like 50 calories per two slices and all of it again, mislabeled under this net net carb intake. And so it's like, well, yeah, one, one product being off by 100, 150 calories may not bury you in terms of progress. But if you tease that out as five times per day, stretched out over seven days, and that's a 3,500 calorie miscalculation and wouldn't no question absolutely prevent you from moving the nail in terms of progress, uh, moving the scale in terms of progress may not cause you to gain weight, but it absolutely would prevent you from seeing the progress that you were hoping to see. This might be opening a whole nother can, but I think, and I think we addressed it maybe in another podcast, 
but I have a few people I know that have talked about carb blockers. Is that part of this? Is that, I mean, is that possible? Like, it sounds like there's these little quote unquote tricks to reducing carbs and whatnot, but is that, I don't know, I guess that just made me think of that. It's a good question. And what companies are doing is they are adding a heavy dose of fiber into a pill and saying, Hey, take this pill with your carbs and it will quote unquote block the carbohydrate. That is not true because, you know, calories that we absorbed are largely absorbed in the small intestine, meaning if they go down your mouth, they are going to be absorbed right now. Will you get a, will the blood sugar spike as high as if those were not there? No, because you're including fiber, but you could also simply eat whole wheat bread instead of white bread and get the exact same effect. I mean, there is no miracle to these quote unquote fat burners. I kind of want to ask you what the brand was. You remember? What was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'll take that part out, but I was, yeah, I remember. I think when people picture it and how it's, you know, advertised is I can eat whatever I want. I take this pill and it's almost as if your intestines are completely open, food shoots through it, and only the great things are absorbed and everything else just shoots right out. And I think, I think that is what people picture happening, that you are truly not absorbing anything other than what you want. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I think that's the way that it's perceived. That's just not how it works. I mean, if it gets eaten, the calories are going to be absorbed uh, unless you've got some sort of, you know, malabsorption issue, which again is like the zebra and the pack of horses, the small fraction of the percentage of people that exist. And it's, you know, uh, so the, the exo group, um, who, who we're all friends, we're friends with those guys they're doing a weight loss challenge right now. And I messaged one of them today and we were talking about how it was going. And he was like, it's exactly like you said, meaning it's very easy conceptually how to do this, but that doesn't mean that it's easy every day to execute. And if you find anything that's, that makes you think, Oh man, this would make it so much easier or, ah, this is like gotta be the thing that I've been missing. It is not, <laughs> there is no easy route to get there. It, there are no hacks. There are no like bio things that you're missing. It is just day to day, consistent change in choices. And, you know, eventually you'll cross the finish line. Do you ever hear your friends talking about net carb intake or low carb stuff? Usually when friends of mine are talking about food, it's for themselves, it's that they don't want super high calorie. Most seem very put off by sugar-free or artificial sweeteners, very put off by it. So they'd rather have, yeah, there's more concern about what that is and then, or what that does, I guess, to them. And, or they're talking about in regards to their children um, and feeding their children and carbs are not a concern <laughs> for them and their children. But. Yeah. The, and that's the, you know, that's the irony of, of this conversation is we're sitting here and we're talking about, um, fiber intake, adjusting the net carb intake, but many companies will also sweeten things with sugar alcohol alcohols. So like urethritol, um, sorbitol, a lot of these different xylitol, a lot of these alls, which are called sugar alcohols, they are artificial sweeteners in the sense that 
They don't provide any calories, but companies use them to sweeten a product. So they can keep the carbs low because sugar is a carb and they can deduct from the net carbohydrate intake because supposedly sugar alcohols are indigestible. But remember, indigestible does not mean no calories. And so again, you may not get as many calories per gram from sugar. So sugar has all carbohydrates have four calories per gram. Sugar alcohols can have like two to three calories per gram. And so you're still getting calories. And so people eat copious amounts of low carb products, never realizing number one, total calories are what moves weight. Number two, the miscalculation from those products can be quite hefty in terms of, again, if you eat four or five products like that in a day, that's 500 calories per day, potentially more. One of the one of the bars that I was talking about earlier off by almost 180 calories. Some people are eating those two and three times a day as their protein source. And so you're, you know, you, if you calculate that out, that's 500, 600 calories per day, tease that out over seven days a week, you're off by 3,500. And so meanwhile, you feel like you're making all the right moves, seeing no progress. And all the while, you, like you don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. And we saw this in multiple people within uh, Valley to Peak in like a two week span. And I was just, it was almost like they got together and did it on purpose. I joke with them about that. Um, obviously that wasn't the case, but it prompted me to be like, well, I'm going to go dig this out because I knew this was a question. There's also an article on the website that I wrote about it. If you want to read more about it and see the full list of sugar alcohols and um, yeah, check out anything, anything else on the topic. So does sugar-free really mean sugar-free or is it they're renaming it like the net carb thing that the stuff's still in there, but they're just calling it something else? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that hate me after this, but the sugar-free that most of the fear has been built around is truly sugar-free, is, is truly calorie-free and sugar-free. It's not contributing towards your calorie intake. And that would be things like aspartame, and uh, sucralose and some of those other ones that have all of these really bad connotations, most of which are unjustified when you read the studies, but that's a, I mean, that's an entirely different podcast. But to your question, those things are genuinely calorie free. All right. So that will wrap up this episode of Q&A for the podcast. It was good to have you back. Good to be back. If you have any questions about this topic specifically, again, I wrote an article about it on the um, on the website, which is d2pnutrition.com backslash blog. You can check it out there. If you can't find it, send me an email. I'd be happy to send it over to you. If you got any questions on the topic specifically, I'm had to, happy to chat through those as well. But I appreciate you guys joining us. Hope you have a great week and we will talk to you again soon.